Hi, this is Cindy Godwin, pastor of Summit Church, and this is our chosen podcast. I want to thank you for joining us today. I hope this inspires you. I hope that it helps build up your faith and remind you that God has chosen you and set you apart for His purpose. Enjoy the message. There is mighty power in me. I stand strong. There is authority in me. I stand up. All right. That's how we ought to live, recognizing there's strength and there's power and there's, there's authority in us. Instead of laying on the ground and woe is me and letting the devil walk all over us and all of that self-pity. You know where self-pity gets you? Nowhere. It gets you backwards. When the man at the pool of Bethesda felt so sorry for himself, and who can blame him? I mean, he'd been trampled on for 38 years. For 38 years, he laid there while people walked on him and pushed him out of the way and treated him like the victim he was. But when Jesus asked him one question, do you want to get well? And he answered with self-pity. Well, I just don't have anyone to help me. And Jesus said, arise, take up your bed and walk. And I don't think he said, well, you just, you know, you just do. You just need to get up. No, I think he gave him a command. And at the voice of that command that he's still giving today, this guy got up and walked. And you know what? Here's the, the interesting part. He was there because of some kind of sin he committed. Now, that... That doesn't mean that everyone is afflicted because of sin, except for the fact that, you know, our good friend Adam brought sin into the world when he committed high treason against God. We know that. But the Bible also says that we're afflicted without cause. And the Bible says in Mark chapter 4 that affliction arises because of the word. So the stronger you get in the word, the enemy is going to try to afflict you so that you'll give up and you'll give in. If you give up and you give in, then you get out. That's a dangerous place to be. And I've told you, and I'll keep telling you, as long as the Lord has me do this, which I believe is until the day I die, as long as I have breath in my body, it's the call of God on my life. But I can tell you right now, again, why, say it with me, is the wrong question. We know why. The thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. Or, like the Lord revealed to the Apostle John in the Revelation chapter 12, the enemy has come down with great wrath, knowing his time is short. And he goes after, symbolically, the woman who is the church. I don't know about you. How many of you are mothers? How many of you want to be a mother? Even if you don't, haven't bore children from your womb, you're still a mother. I mean, we're all supposed to be mothers in Zion. I mean, we're all supposed to be some form of spiritual mother. And I mean, the Bible says the older women teach the younger women. So, well, I'm only 16. Well, there's 12-year-olds. Well, I'm only 12. Well, there's 5-year-olds. We're supposed to be role models in whatever we do. And so, he goes after the woman, the children of God, because he has great wrath. He's mad. 
But we're not left without power. The Bible says, but we overcome him by the blood of the lamb and the word of our testimony and not loving our lives, laying down our lives. We're supposed to love ourselves, but not in a selfish way, in an honoring way that our bodies, the temple of the Holy Spirit, were created to serve him and love him. And so why, what you're really asking is why me? What you're really asking is, why didn't you do something about it? But the right question is, Lord, where do I go from here and what do you want me to do? And then you get wisdom. And wisdom is the principal thing. I was reading Proverbs 4. I woke up my morning awakening. And I'll talk to you about this a little, in a little bit. Oh, my goodness. Katie, can you, Katie, where did you go? Baby, will you, I don't, no, never mind. I did. I was thinking I left the announcements at home that I'll give. No, I did leave them at home. Could you pull them up on your phone and when I'm ready, just, just when I'm ready at the end, you can bring them to me. But we'll start session two of summer next week. And it's, a different, it's different than this because I will stand up and I will spend 15, 20 minutes giving you what the Lord is saying to me personally. It's a beneficial time. We sit at round tables and your small group will be whatever table you sit at, and there will be prayer. And it's one of my favorite things. And then we always have a testimony. And this summer, the testimonies will be about full circle redemptions. Those of you who came in the spring heard me say that the Lord spoke to me, and he said, I'm bringing you full circle. And boy, he has been. He's been bringing me full circle in so many areas. And then I started seeing all the prophets, international prophets, say the Lord's bringing us full circle. Well, I mean, the Holy Spirit, he's the same Holy Spirit. He speaks to all of us. And so if you listen, so he ought to be saying the same thing. There's nothing exclusive. I mean, if you think you've got an exclusive word that nobody else has, well, you better guard your heart. If God is saying it to you, he's saying it across the board. So none of us have this exclusive place where we think we're it. That's how cults are formed. And so be asking God, where do I go from here? So we're looking at kingdom. We looked at our authority, our exousius, our delegated power. We looked at dunamis power, the mighty power of God. And I'm going to say something to you today that I hope will be extremely significant to you. It certainly is to me. And uh, toward the end... And then we're going to pray for healing, but it might not be what you're thinking. Because every time you saw Jesus preaching the kingdom, there was healing. Every time. Every time. And he told his disciples, pray like this. Your kingdom come, your will be done. And then Jesus demonstrated the kingdom and the will of God, so he already fulfilled the Lord's prayer. And now it's up to us to execute it. And I'm going to tell you how to do that today. And so we saw we're going to re review for a few minutes. And then we're going to look at the kingdom more closely. And we will remember kingdom means dominion, kingdom, dominion of the king or the king's domain. So it is a territory that the king of kings lives in. And as I was saying earlier, the man at the pool of Bethesda was not living in kingdom mentality. He was living in self-pity because he just lay there for 38 years and blamed other people. But listen to me. Jesus never takes excuses. 
The one and only time I ever took defensive driving, God helped me not to ever take that again. I, yeah, supposedly they lower your insurance by 10%. I don't know. I didn't see it. But in my whole life, I've only gotten one ticket. It was totally my husband's fault. We were newlyweds. And um, I didn't get my driver's license until I was 18 because I lived in Germany. And the legal age was 18. And two days after I turned 18, I got on a military aircraft called a C-141, which is the most horrific. It, the thing's a giant. I mean, it's got to be as round as this room. And, and uh, it has no windows except up high. And so then this is in 1971. And in those days, how many of you were grown-ups in 1971? So you remember if you were, we wore these things called hot pants. Today, they're called shorts. And we wore go-go boots, vinyl go-go boots. How many of you remember that? Not very many. So, young people, here's your education. So, so I am 17 years old. No, I had just turned 18. And I had hair all the way down to here. I had long red hair all the way down to here. And I had on my hot pants and go-go boots and cattail eyeliner. And... When I am on an aircraft, I have to have a visual. I have to be looking out a window. Or I can't sit in the middle and uh, blah, it just nauseates me. So I always have to have a visual. There, there was no visual in this plane. And they served, the, the military wonderful pilots served fried chicken box dinners. And I was so sick. So in my really cool hot pants and vinyl go-go boots, I threw up for the 12 hours from Frankfurt to New York in front of my classmates. It was a wonderful experience. I landed and of course we didn't have cell phones and all that back then. There were something called pay phones. And I, because my father had said, you call me when you get there. And of course he didn't have to pay because it was a hop. It was a military hop. And I called him and I said, if you ever want to see me again, you will pay because I will never come back. And he did. He paid so that I could fly commercial and sit by a window. And so I felt like a victim. And the first time we met, we talked about changing our clothes. So that's what we're going to talk about for just a few minutes again. And then we're going to look at the kingdom. Revelation 19, 11 through 16 this is the revelation of John, which is the revelation of Jesus Christ. You know, people always go, oh, the book of Revelations is the end times. No, it starts by saying a revelation of Jesus Christ. That's why the Bible says that those who read it aloud receive a blessing. I encourage you to do that. I've read through the whole book several times out loud. After that, I saw heaven open, and behold, a white horse appeared, and the one who was riding is called faithful, trustworthy, loyal, incorruptible, steady, true. He passes judgment. He wages war and righteousness. His eyes blaze. I love this like a flame of fire. On his head are many kingly crowns. And he has a title inscribed, which he alone knows or can understand. He is dripped, dressed, this is my favorite, in a robe dyed by dipping in blood. And the title by which he is called is the Word of God. Jesus is the Word of God. The Word of God is Jesus. 
It has power. When you speak the voice of Jesus, you're speaking the word of God. And that word never returns void, but you have to speak it in belief and faith. And I've been studying faith lately, and, and I think when we come back in September, we're going to do an intense study of faith. Because one thing the Lord has taught me that has absolutely revolutionized me is faith is not in the past and it's not in the future. It's now faith. And as long as you're living in, oh, I hope this happens. No, you're wishing. If now faith is present, I believe I have it now, even if I don't see it. Even if I don't feel it, it's already mine. That's how you bring into manifestation the promises of God. And it takes a dog determination. And the troops of heaven, angels, clothed in fine linen, dazzling and clean, followed him. Who? That one who is faithful and true, who wears a robe dyed by dipping in blood. One commentary I read said that blood was not just the blood, the redemptive blood of Jesus, but it was the blood of all of his enemies that he conquered for us. I love it. Love it. And they followed him on white horses. And from his mouth goes forth a sharp sword with which he can smite the nations and he will shepherd and control them with a staff, a scepter and a rod of iron. And he'll tread the winepress of the fierceness of the wrath and indignation of God, the all-ruler, the almighty, the omnipotent. And on his garment and on his thigh, he has a name inscribed, King of kings and Lord of lords. He is the King of kings. And he has made us kings and priests. He's the capital K. We're the little K under his authority. We better act like it. So what is your mentality? What is your mindset? Are you a victor or are you a victim? We talked the first time about changing our clothes and getting rid of that victim garment. What does it look like? It looks like I'm just a wretched sinner. It looks like I have no man, poor me. Like the man at the pool of Bethesda, that victim. It looks like worry. It looks like anxiety. It looks like fear. Our chosen conference this year will be, is called Fearless. And the Lord is speaking to me so much about that. I'm excited to be able to share it. Because did you know that when the enemy sees us as fearless, he knows he's doomed in our lives. When you refuse to be intimidated by the giants in your life, he's already defeated. The apostle Paul says just refuse to be intimidated. How do you do that? You just put your foot down and you, even if your insides are quaking, you just out loud, you say, I refuse to fear. I refuse to be intimidated. I refuse Goliath. Let's remember there, were not, there was not one giant, there were five. Goliath had four brothers. But the only one that David slew was Goliath. The rest of them, his comrades slew, and one of them almost killed David. Did you know that? Read the Bible. It's in there. You know, there are times we need other giant slayers. I was thinking, I was remembering this morning, several years ago, when I um, had that dental 
thing happened and I ended up in the hospital intubated. And it was because, honestly, of neglect because when this particular person even said she's dehydrated and instead of giving me sodium, he gave me something that made me worse. And so I ended up, for those you don't know, I had a, a seizure and ended up being transported by EMS and landed in the hospital for four days and I was intubated and the whole bit. And when I was conscious enough to know what had happened, it, the thing that really freaked me out was I had gone those four days and I did not appropriate the blood of Jesus. And so I, you know, just became very agitated and said to my daughters, oh, you know, I haven't been appropriating the blood. And they said, Mom, we did it for you. So sometimes we need other giant slayers. No, none of us are an island. We're not isolated. When someone asks me to pray, I do it. I get a lot of direct messages asking for prayer. I do. I pray right then. You know, I don't believe in, well, let's have a prayer list because it becomes rote. Zechariah 3, and we've read this before, that here's Joshua the high priest, so think about yourself standing before the angel of the Lord, and Satan standing at Joshua's right hand to be his adversary and to accuse him. Do you not think that that's still happening? Well, Revelation 12 says he's the accuser of the brethren. It says he accuses us before God day and night. And the Lord said to Satan, the Lord rebuke you, O Satan. Even the Lord who now chooses Jerusalem rebuke you. Is not this a brand plucked out of the fire? And now Joshua, oh, uh, Joshua was a victim. He was clothed with filthy garments, and he stood before the angel of the Lord. And the Lord spoke to him, and those, his friends, stood by him. And he said, take away the filthy garments. And the Lord said to Joshua, behold, I have caused your iniquity to pass from you, and I will clothe you with rich apparel. I'll clothe you with king's garments. I told you last week about the, the precious girl who was actually a drug addict. When I was downcast, and she was the only one that paid attention to me, and I remember she looked at me and she said, well, I would just hold my head up high. And I've been holding it up ever since then. I was a teenager at the time. I would just hold my head up high. Does my head ever go down? Yes. But God has put people in my life that will lift it up. Did your mother ever say to you, just hold your pretty chin up? Just hold your pretty chin up. If you have to fake it, fake it, but do it in faith. So take away the filthy garments. And, and I, Zacharias said, the prophet said, let them put a clean turban on his head. What does that mean? You thoughts, that helmet of salvation. So they put a clean turban on his head and they clothed him again with rich garments. And the angel of the Lord said, thus says the Lord of hosts, if you will walk in my ways and keep my charge, you will rule my house and have charge of my courts, and I will give you access to my presence and places to walk among those who stand here. Who stood there? The angels and his friends. So I'm going to give you kingly authority. But first you have to take off those garments of victimization and shame and trauma and worry and fear and a false identity. Every false identity. Well, how do I know my identity? It's in the book. If it's not in the book, it's not who you are. That's all there is to it. And the Bible says we are priests and kings, among many other things. 
Romans 13, 14, clothe yourself with the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh to fulfill its lust. Revelation 3, 17, you say I'm rich, I prospered, I'm wealthy, I'm in need of nothing. You do not realize you are wretched, pitiable, poor, blind, and naked. Ooh. Therefore, I counsel you to purchase from me gold refined and tested by fire. That's the word of God. Every word of God is pure. It's refined by fire. That you may be truly wealthy and white clothes to clothe you. That's the blood of Jesus. To keep the shame of your nudity from being seen. And salve to put on your eyes that you may see. Those whom I dearly and tenderly love, I tell their faults. And I convict and convince and reprove and chasten them. I discipline and instruct them. So, all right, so here it's saying, I'm going to tell you your faults. He's going to correct us. And then he's going to direct us so that he can protect us and perfect us, which means mature us. Now, he said, if I love you, I'm going to tell you your faults. He's been telling me things lately about me that I just don't like about me. But I love correction. I really do. And I tell you the truth, I'd prefer the Lord correct me than people. By the time people correct you, it's because you haven't listened to the voice of the Lord. I remember, in fact, I think, I, I don't know if you remember this, Pam, it was decades ago when the Lord spoke to me because I was talking to him about the disciples and the Lord said to me, you have no idea what I told them in the woodshed. And I'm telling you, I mean, just lately as I've sat before the Lord in the light of his presence, I don't, he says you're naked. So don't be like Adam and Eve and try to clothe yourself with your own works. That's what they did. They went and found fig leaves and they hid their nakedness, but it wasn't hidden to the Lord. Sit before the Lord or stand or kneel or whatever your position is and just say, Lord, correct me. I love God to correct me. I don't always like what I see, but I love the results. I love the results. So he said, and then he says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears and listens to and heeds my voice and opens the door, I will come into him and eat with him and he will eat with me. Remember whose side the door handle is on. It's on your side. This is not a salvation verse. It's always taught as salvation. It is not. This was to the church. Why is he standing at the door and knock? Because he wants to tell you your faults. So that he can instruct you. See, those whom I love, I convict, convince, reprove, chasten. I discipline and instruct them. So be enthusiastic and in earnest and burning with zeal and repent. Change your mind. I read the testimony. I think her name's Teresa Shield. I think that's it. And uh, her mother had been dramatically healed of a severe mental illness. And they had prayed and prayed and prayed. Nothing happened. And she goes to a healing meeting. And this preacher gave a, a call, and only three people came forward, and the mother was one of them. He lays hands on her, and he says to her, the Lord says, stop trying to fit God into your schedule. Build your schedule around God. And she decided to do that. And she said, all I know to do is just cling to Jesus. And you know what? She was completely healed and delivered from mental illness. Well, Teresa had a stronghold. And in her case, this is not an indictment against what you eat. 
I mean, you can eat what's in the yard if you want. And I don't mean crops, but she was a sugarholic, and that's what I used to be. That's why I gave it up. Because I, I would rather have sugar than breakfast, lunch, or dinner. Now, I'm not legal. I mean, I'll take a, a taste every now and then, but it's just a taste. And so, but it was by complete diet. That's all I wanted. And it, I was addicted. And so was she. And the Lord spoke to her because, see, she came to him based on this. Lord, I give you permission to correct me. Because, see, the Lord will let you live however you want to live, folks. I mean, he will. He gives man a free choice. If he didn't, Adam would have never fallen. We all have a free choice. And he gave her a free choice. And he said, you've always done what you want to do, and you can continue to do that. Or you can do what I want you to do. And she made a decision. And now this was a whole lot more sugar than I ever ate. She lost 250 pounds. 250 pounds. That's a lot of weight. <laughs> and so give God permission to correct you. It feels good. It hurts good. And he'll take off whatever garment you're wearing that is damaging to you. And again, this has nothing to do with diet. I was just giving you an example. He will take off whatever is damaging to you because he loves you. It's not like when we correct people, we just want them to do it the way we want them to do it. That's not the Lord. He loves you. Those whom I love, I tell their faults. And the Bible says if you are without correction, in Hebrews 12 it says, and you're not a son. So I just want to encourage you, be corrected. Because our identity is, Romans 5, 17, if because of one man's trespass, death reign, much more, I love the words much more, surely, for sure, will those who receive God's overflowing grace and the free gift of righteousness reign as kings in life through the one man, Jesus Christ. That's how I want to live, reigning as a king. Revelation 5, 9, and 10, and they sang a new song. And this is the song. You are worthy, O Lord, to take the, the seals and to break them. For you were slain, and with your blood you purchased men from every tribe, language, people, nation, and you have made them to be a kingdom, a royal race and priest to our God, and they shall reign as kings over the earth. Don't you think if we were doing that, church, that we would be seeing what we're seeing now? We wouldn't. But I, I'm telling you something. I made a decision. I'm going to do my part. I'm going to take my place, and I hope you'll take your place. And just every day, whatever your position is, whether it's laying down, sitting down, standing up, marching, kneeling, whatever your position is, take your position of Ephesians 2.6, seated with Christ, the King of kings and Lord of lords, and you as a priest and king, minister to Jesus Amen. and rule as a king. One with authority, exousius, dunamis. How do you do that? Matthew 6.33. But seek, aim at, and strive after, first of all, say first of all, his kingdom and his righteousness, his way of doing and being right. And then all these things, what are these things? What you wear, 
what you eat, all of your physical needs, all of your physical needs taken together will be given you beside when? When you seek first his kingdom and his way of being and doing right. That means the first thing we do every day should be to submit to the dominion of the King of kings and Lord of lords. Not our way, not our identity, but our, who we are in him, his kingdom. So what does that look like? Romans 14, 17, the kingdom of God. Now look at how this connects with Matthew 6, Because Matthew 6, says not to worry about what you're going to eat, what you're going to drink, or what you're going to wear. That your father knows you need these things. If you read all of Matthew 6, you'll see it. But the kingdom of God is not a matter of getting the food and drink that one likes. But instead, this is what the kingdom of God is. Righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. So if we're living with kingly authority, we are living seeking his way of being and doing right. We are living in the peace of God that passes understanding and the joy of the Lord that is our strength. That is the kingdom of God first. And that is what we are to aim after. And here's where we fault. Now I'm going to tell you this, I'll say it again at the end because it's so big in me. Just listen to me, church. We are always looking for the spectacular. But the supernatural does not have to be spectacular, and it usually isn't. I've given you many examples of just daily living in my own personal life that is not spectacular, but it is supernatural. I'll give you a few more examples in a minute. I just want you to see Jesus did such simple things like he sent the disciples for food. He didn't want to go. He was tired. He was a man. So he, he got tired just like we do. But it said he had to go or needed to go to Samaria. Now, Jewish men did not speak to Samaritan women. I mean, that was forbidden. And he's sitting at the well, and a Samaritan lady comes up to get water. And he, he says, give me a drink. But what, we, what he was offering her was living water. And then he tells her, you know, go, go, get your, go, tell her, go get your husband, one of the two. And she said, well, I have none. And he said, you're right. You've had five. And wasn't it the person you're living with now is not your, I mean, this lady was loose, to say the least. I mean, this was before the days of Elizabeth Taylor, people. <laughs> this is over 2,000 years ago. I mean, today we put it on front of People magazine and back then that was, you'd be stoned for adultery. And she got happy. You know why? Because the living water told her her faults. She thought that was the coolest thing ever. And she believed him. And then she goes into the village. She tells everybody, come meet a man who told me everything I've ever done. No shame. She cast off those garments of false identity. And she put on the garments of righteousness. Listen, we don't have any excuse. Oh, but you don't know what I've done. Well, guess what? If you brought it before Jesus, it's under the blood. So quit reminding him. He doesn't remember. 
So what is your mentality? What is your mentality? I know what my mentality is. I'm going to tell you a word. I shared this with my core team the other day because it, it so affected me. And this is what we're going to do at the end. I was watching a webcast, and uh, there's, uh, there was a man on named Professor Greg Stevens. I love this guy. I mean, he is a wealth of Bible knowledge. And he um, has a Ph.D. in Old Covenant, in the Old Covenant Hebrew. And right in the middle, he stops, and he gives a word of knowledge. But it so went off inside of me, and I wrote it down word for word. Somebody right now, if you'll speak to it, there's a tumor in your body. There's a lump in your body right now. If you'll speak to it, it's just sitting there shaking within you right now, waiting for what you tell it to do. I can see it by the Holy Spirit. It's trembling in you. Tell it to go now in the name of Jesus. And when I heard that, I, the Holy Spirit spoke to me and he said, everything in your body is waiting for you to tell it what to do. So you can sit back and talk about your aches and pains and everything wrong and the doctor's report and then fit the word of God in there somewhere. Now, I'm not saying the doctor's report is not a fact. It's a fact. And the facts can kill you. But I'm telling you, you have to put the word of God first place and final authority in your life. Your body is waiting for you to tell it what to do. We're going to do that in a few minutes. When Jesus said to seek first his kingdom and his way of doing and being right, that was not a request. It was not a suggestion. It was a command. And speaking of, I remember one day I'm driving along Speed, the sign says 45 miles an hour speed limit. I'm going 60. And I looked up and it said 45. And I heard the Holy Spirit say, that is not a suggestion. I've never forgotten that every time I look at my speedometer. So are you living heaven on earth or hell on earth? We know what heaven on earth looks like. It's knowing you are in right standing with God. And because of that, you do what is right. You do what is right because it's right. You do it right. It's the peace of God that passes understanding and rules your heart and acts as umpire. Last night, we went to a missions game. And besides being extremely hot, we went with Katie and Courtney and their families, other families out of town. And there was one, they didn't, they didn't do very well. They really lost. And they kept hitting... Is it a fly ball when they, they hit it and it's caught? That's, isn't that a fly ball? Thank you. And uh, so every ball that just was, wow, went way onto the outfield, pow, caught. Well, so this, the outfielder catches another fly ball. And he drops it. And, but the umpire struck out the batter. And, I, and we were booing. I was so mad. I mean, I was vocal. He dropped it! And Randy said, stop it. I said, he dropped it. And Randy said, no, he caught it. And when he was throwing it back, he dropped it. I said, no, he dropped it. But guess what? The umpire had the final word. And the Bible says, let peace be your umpire. That's the final word. Your kingdom come.
So here's where we miss it most of the time. Are you ready? Faith is now. The Lord is teaching me faith is now, now faith, now faith, now faith. Hebrews 11, verses 1 and 2. This is the Amplified Classic. Now faith is the assurance, the confirmation, the title deed of the things we hope for. That word hope means confident expectation. It doesn't mean wishing. It is the proof, now faith, is the proof of things we do not see and conviction of their reality. Faith is perceiving as real fact what is not revealed to your senses. Faith says, I believe it is so, I don't see it, I cannot feel it, I can't even hear it, but God, you said it so, so it is so, and now I take it. But what if it doesn't happen right away? You don't lose your stand. And the Bible goes on to say, because it was by faith that the men of old gained a good report. If you want to gain a good report, hold fast the confession of your faith without wavering. Because he who promised is faithful. And it's hard. It's very hard. I've told many times how, oh my goodness, this was in the 1990s. I, I, uh, I slipped down some slippery stairs at my parents on Christmas. My mother wouldn't... Um, she always wanted us just to wear socks, and so I'm wearing socks. This is on Christmas Day, and she has saltillo tile. So I started to go down the steps, and man, pow, I hit the base of my spine hard. And I literally felt, I mean, it was like, you know, when you see the videos of the atom bomb in Hiroshima and how it mushrooms, it literally went up my spine and exploded in my head. And the next day I woke up, and I don't drink, but I would imagine that this is what a hangover would feel like. I don't know. But literally, I was stumbling. I had these sensations. They're called paresthesias, tingling all in my hands. My whole left side of my face was numb. My lips were numb. Uh, you've ever had a dental block, you know, for a filling, and you know how, what a horrible feeling that is when it's wearing off? And that's what I felt, my whole left side. And so I was told that a, a shockwave went up my spine and exploded in my brain. And the only thing I was offered was anti-seizure medication, which I would not take. Now, if you have seizure disorder, you should. I'm not saying that, but I did not want to do that. And do you know, and I'm just telling you the truth, I had to stand on the word of God and believe God for, are you ready? 18 years. 18 years. I lived with it for 18 years. And every day I got up and I acted like I was perfectly fine. Perfectly fine. But in my emotions, I wasn't fine. I'd lay in bed at night and all these sensations would be in my belly. And then one day, this is the truth, God just healed me. I can't put a date on it. I did not have a warm honey feeling. I did not have firecrackers and flames of lightning come down from heaven. I didn't see an angel. Nothing spectacular. I just stayed. I still have all the cards. I mean, I wrote out the word of God, hand wrote on index cards and would say it day and night, speak it out in faith. 
And one day it was just gone, just gone, just disappeared, never came back. So what I'm saying to you is hold fast the word of God. Act like the kings that you are. Act like it. What if I'd walked around, oh, I've got these horrible sensations all over my body. I just don't know, I just don't know why. I don't know why. I don't know why. Oh, God, why haven't you done anything about it? You know, sometimes we say that God says, well, why don't you do something about it? Why did it take 18 years? I don't know. But I'll tell you what, the Lord developed a lot in me during that time. I never let go believing, never. Was I tempted? You bet. Hey, I'm a person too. So let's look at a few kingdom scriptures, and then we're going to pray. Ready? Everywhere Jesus went, he brought the kingdom. In Hebrews 11, 8, uh, this is the Weist translation. My sweet Katie types these up for me. She goes, why do you like this translation? I don't understand it, because I do. It says, by faith, Abraham, while he was being called, obeyed to go out into a place which he was about to be receiving as an inheritance, and he went out not troubling his mind as to where he was going. You know why? Because he didn't know where he was going. God said, get up and go where I tell you. But he didn't trouble his mind. When the Lord tells you to do something, stop troubling your mind. In fact, Jesus said after Matthew 6, 33, and the... Matthew 6, 34, he said, don't be anxious about tomorrow because sufficient for the day are its own troubles. That's not the most encouraging verse in the scripture. <laughs> Faith is today, not someday. All right, kingdom scriptures, ready? Matthew 9, 35, Jesus went about all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the good news of the kingdom. Rick always says, if it's not good news, it's not the gospel. And he cured all kinds of diseases, every weakness and infirmity. When? When he preached what? The kingdom, the good news of the kingdom, the dominion of the king. Verse 7 of chapter 10. And as you go, he sent out his people to go and preach, saying, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. What does that mean? It means I'm handing it to you. It's available, but you got to take it. Cure the sick, raise the dead, cleanse the lepers, drive out demons. Freely you have received, freely give. Whenever I go someplace to speak, people always ask me, what do you charge? Well, I don't. He said, freely you have received, freely give. Now, I believe in honor. Don't misunderstand me. But, I mean, that's just my personal faith. Matthew eleven twelve. 12, all right? This is where it gets challenging. From the days of John the Baptist until the present time, until the present time, the kingdom of heaven has endured violent assault and violent men seize it by force. As a precious prize, a share in the heavenly kingdom is sought with the most ardent zeal and intense exertion. A share in the dominion of the king, a share in curing the sick and delivering people, and casting out demons. Oh, the devil's after me. Why do you praise the devil? He's not part of my vocabulary. The devil's after me. No, he's not. Jesus disarmed him. All he has now is deception. The same fruit he fed Eve, the fruit of lies. Now watch. Violent. Ready? This is the Greek. It's the word B-I-A-Z-O. 
It means to use power to forcibly seize, laying hold of something with positive aggressiveness. The kingdom of heaven is taken by violence, carried by storm. It is a share in the heavenly kingdom, and it is sought with the most ardent zeal and intense exertion. There is no room for laziness. You have to get up and fight. We were praying for someone the other day who was under a violent attack. There's two kinds of violence. There's the kind of ardent zeal that you take the kingdom. I'm going to be aggressive. I'm not going to make my back like the ground. I'm going to get up from feeling sorry for myself. Woe is me. Nobody loves me. Nobody's praying for me. I ask them to pray and nobody's even checking on me. Well, the Lord's checking on you every day. I don't need to be babied. Do I passionately appreciate people that pray for me? Absolutely, 100%. But I don't go around wiping my nose, feeling sorry for myself. Do I, am I ever tempted to feel sorry for myself? Not often, sometimes. But you know, when I do, I hear Isaiah 60. Arise from the depression and prostration in which circumstances have kept you. Arise to a new life. Shine, be radiant with the glory of the Lord. For your light has come and the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. That's what the Bible says. You arise. You wake up. You get up. Jesus has already done all the dying he's going to do. He already paid the price. So we were praying for someone that was under, you know, some pretty major attack. And uh, one of the, the sisters praying said, you know, I see that you've taken off your crown. Put your crown back on. And that's what we do. We lay aside our royalty, our kingly authority. And we let circumstances overpower us. Come on, we all do it. We've all done it. But put your crown back on. You're a royal race. Kings and priests. Kings and priests. Luke 9, 1 and 2. And then Jesus called together the 12 and he gave them power and authority over all demons and to cure diseases. And he sent them out to announce and preach the kingdom of God and to bring healing. When the crowds learned of it, they followed him and he welcomed them and talked to them about the kingdom of God and he healed those who needed restoration to health. Now, I have a question for you. Has Jesus changed? No. Have we tried to change him? Yes. But he hasn't. Hebrews 13, 8 says he's the same today, yesterday, and forever. Luke 10, 8. Wherever you go, Jesus said, into a town, and they receive and welcome it, except you, Eat what is set before you. Tell them the kingdom of God has come. Luke 17, 20. Asked by the Pharisees when the kingdom of God would come, he replied to them by saying, the kingdom of God does not come with signs to be observed or with visible display. Nor will people say, look, here it is, or see, it is there. For behold, the kingdom of God is within you, in your hearts and among you, surrounding you. The kingdom of God is in you, and you are in the kingdom of God. Now put on your crown. Well, you don't know what he did to me. Well, God does. Your job is to bless that person who did it to you. 
Your job is to pray for their protection, welfare, and happiness. You know why? Because the Bible says when you pray for the protection and welfare and happiness of those who have hurt you, it will bring on you protection, welfare, and happiness. It's a boomerang. Ever done a boomerang? I really like boomerangs. I think they're so fun that you can throw this thing and it comes right back to you. I mean, it's super cool. It's a great spiritual illustration. So I'm going to close with another story I read to you, that word that Professor Stevens had. And this is a story that uh, I heard years ago, and it, is, it has always affected me. I loved telling it when it happened. And, um, you know, when a lot of times when people sell medical devices, they'll go into the operating room with the surgeon to make sure they're using the device correctly. If you're in medicine, you know that. And so this this man who sold heart devices is in the operating room and this cardiovascular surgeon is doing surgery on this woman and they install the device and everything and then they take her off of heart bypass and what has to happen? Your heart has to start beating again and hers did not. And all of a sudden the surgeon leans over and he gets right in the ear of this lady and he says, ma'am, I need your help. Tell your heart to beat again. And when he said that, her heart started beating again. Do you even realize how much authority you have over your own body? Or are you letting your body have authority over you? 1 Thessalonians 5.23 says, May the God of peace sanctify you whole and may your whole spirit, soul, and body be preserved complete and without blame at the coming of the Lord Jesus. Notice spiritual order. Spirit first. Soul, your mind, will, and emotions second. Body is last. But people always say body, soul, and spirit. No, 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 no. That's backward. Your spirit is to rule your mind, will, and your emotions. Your spirit's where Jesus lives through the Holy Spirit. Your spirit rules your soul. And your soul tells your body what to do. Bless the Lord, O oh my soul. Forget not one of his benefits. He forgives all your iniquities. He heals all of your diseases. So who was David speaking to? His soul. He was commanding his soul to command his body. So we're going to do that. In John 14, 21, it says, The person who has my commandments and keeps them is the one who loves me. And whoever loves me will be loved by my Father. Listen, and I will come to him and will manifest myself to him. Now, I said earlier, I'm going to say it again. We're looking for the spectacular to have the supernatural. Not so. Sometimes there is spectacular, like with the prophets of Bel and Elijah. But can I tell you something? The enemy's all about spectacular. The prophets, the prophets of Bel had great power. Or what about the Egyptians? Uh, what were they called? The magicians. They had great power. If you've ever read anything from Heidi Baker, she's a missionary with her husband Roland in Mozambique, the poorest place, one of the poorest places on earth at least. Uh, you hear what those witch doctors have done, tried with her? I mean the hexes and the curses and the cobras. And she is not moved. She is not moved. Man, this lady is a powerhouse. She growls when she talks. You see, they're all about the spectacular. Well, they put some kind of curse on her and she got some kind of disease. I think it was MRSA. Or, or no, no, um, if I recall, I think it was a flesh-eating bacteria in her ankle. 
They did all they could do for her, the doctors, and they finally said, there's nothing more we can do for you. This is not curable. It's impossible. And if you've ever heard her, she just growled, and she goes, oh, I love impossible. <laughs> so she was supposed to go preach in the United States. They said, don't, you know, don't go. You're just a sick woman. And she goes, no, I'm going. So she put on tennis shoes. She gets on the plane. She goes to California. And she knows God is going to heal her. You know why? Because she knows she's royalty. She walks up on the platform limping. And the minute she hit the pulpit, pow, she was healed. Nothing spectacular. Flames of fire didn't go up. It just happened. Stop looking for the spectacular. Expect the supernatural. Jesus said if you love him, the Father will love you and will manifest. If you want manifestation, stay in the love of God. Immerse yourself in the Lord Jesus Christ. I was thinking of some things. Uh, you know, I, I was at HEB. This is some time ago. And this sweet girl in the, the uh, produce department befriends me. And we start talking, and I'm just doing what I do. I'm sharing the word of God. I'm sharing the love of God. And this young girl just fell in love with me. She would cling to me. And before long, we have each other's phone number. We're texting. We're loving each other. And, and uh, she would text me, and she'd say, you changed my life. And before you know it, this girl who had been a victim, her whole life was messed up, and, and she was just a complete mess. She is just totally transformed. And next thing I know, I get invited to her wedding. What happened? Was there something spectacular? No. I brought the kingdom of God because it's in me and around me. And you too. You have to be kingdom-minded. I've received a lot of direct messages lately from that, that full circle. I mean, I told y'all that the Lord spoke to me. said, I'm bringing your life full circle. And then I start hearing it again all over the body of Christ, full circle, full circle. And I've gotten these direct messages where people are, you know, I've never told you this. And these are things that would happen 20 and 30 years ago. That's what's fun about getting older is you have all this, these, this track record that is so awesome. And, they, and I've never told you this, but you changed my life. And I'm like, I don't know who you are, but praise God. Praise God. I remember once I was in college, and, and I was a brand-new believer, and we had a tennis partners. Randy and I would go to play tennis. This was at A&M. We would go out every night. We would play tennis, and then we would go get a vanilla Coke, and it was just so fun. <laughs> and... We would lay, she and I would lay on my bed afterwards, and we would just talk and share. And she came to me years later. She said, remember all those conversations we used to have just laying on your bed talking? I said, yeah. She said, well, I just want you to know I wasn't saved at the time. But just you sharing with me, I gave my heart to Jesus, and I just wanted you to know that. See, you don't know. Amen. Well, I tried. They didn't listen. It's a seed. Remember? You are a seed. The enemy thought he would bury you, but he didn't know you are a seed. Spread them wherever you go. Stand up on your feet. Get violent. Wherever Jesus went, he preached healing.
and he healed the sick. I'm going to ask you to do something when I pray. Tell your body what to do. We have spent too long with our bodies telling us. How many of you have never one time in your life had your body tell you how you should feel? I don't see any hands. You tell your body what to do. And when I pray, just begin speaking to that body part. You might have several, but just pick one. Then deal with the other. And when it, it dis, disobeys, no, 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 you get back into place. I tell you what to do. When I had that hospital experience, because of my low sodium level, I, I didn't know until then that you need salt for your muscles to work. Because you always hear, don't eat salt, don't eat salt. Well, guess what? Try it. See what happens to you. And I, my limbs wouldn't work. I'm just telling you the truth. I would try to raise my arm. It took an act of my mind and my will to make my arm raise. It didn't want to. It just wanted to. My sodium levels had plummeted to death levels. And I remember arm you will raise. And I would just deliberately force. And it, it was a full week. I had to have full-time care to help me get up and walk. I told my body what to do. I did not feel like it. And I didn't know what I know now. So I'm going to pray, tell your heart to beat again. Tell your joints to be healthy again. Tell disease, whatever your diagnosis is, to leave your body now. And keep on, keep on, keep on, keep the pressure on. You're a king. Ready? In the name of Jesus, I thank you, Lord, with all my heart and soul that you have entrusted to your people a kingly authority, a royal power to speak because kings rule by speech. Now, in the name of Jesus, we tell our bodies to be well, be healed from the crown of your head to the soles of your feet. Be made whole. Now, you speak to your body. You tell that body part. If it's your back, you speak to your back. If it's your joints, speak to your joints. If it's your cells, speak to your cells. If it's your cartilage, you speak to your cartilage. Speak to those knees. Speak to that neck. Speak to your fingers, your hands. Speak to your pancreas, your liver, your intestines, your stomach. Ladies, your breast, your reproductive organs. Speak to your legs. Speak to your kidneys, your bladder, your brain, your neurological system, every part of your being. Speak to your metabolism. Tell your body to work right in the authority of the blood and the name of Jesus. For your name is a strong tower, Lord. We run to your name and we are safe. I speak to diabetes in the name, in the name of Jesus. Reversal to you. I speak to every metabolic disorder 
in the name of Jesus. Reverse. Come into order. Come into alignment with the Word of God. I speak to your neurological system. Nerves be healed. Brain think clearly. Every onset of dementia and every form of dementia. In the name of Jesus, be reversed. Your digestive system. GERD. Irritable bowel and Crohn's disease and every disease of your digestive system. Be reversed in the name of Jesus. From this moment, reversal begins. Every cell mutation. Come into alignment with the word of God. Tumors dissolve. In the name of Jesus, everything, every sickness, every disease, everything mentioned in Deuteronomy 28, 60 and 61. Every curse of the law, I speak the redemptive blood of Jesus over you. You are redeemed from the curse of the law. Christ became a curse for you. I speak to every emotion, every emotional disease, every mental illness. Be reversed in Jesus' name. You have the mind of Christ. You have the peace of God that rules over you in Jesus' name. I thank you, Lord. Your kingdom has come through Jesus Christ and through your people. And I say healing. And health is here. We say health runs in our family. I give my daughters and my grandchildren a heritage of health. In Jesus' name, every genetic disease reversed. In Jesus' name, hallelujah. And everything not mentioned, be healed. Even the effects, are you ready? Of aging. We remember your benefits, Lord. You renew our youth like the eagles. And say it with me. I will be young until the day I die at a very old age. In Jesus' name, amen. Hallelujah. Thanks again for joining us. If you enjoyed the podcast, subscribe and share it with a friend. You can hear more messages by visiting ChosenEssay.com. Be sure to follow us at Chosen Essay on Facebook and Instagram.